few voices, well, only just underneath all that pumping 90s music. <laughs> one was Phil Smythe, the coach of the team back in 2001, but another was the 36ers captain back in the time. He spent 17 years there. He's now a Hall of Famer in South Australian basketball. We speak of Brett Maher, and he's here in the studio with us on the press box this week. Brett, welcome to the show, mate. Wow. It was a... What a clip, hey? Yeah. <laughs> you really fired up, Brett, weren't you? Yeah, yeah real, real fired up. up. <laughs> Sounded like I'd just got out of bed, but... Um, no, that was a cracky year, and uh, yeah, we haven't had it much success since then, unfortunately. <laughs> you really were. Yeah, I'm pretty fired up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. More of that. More, please. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Had to do that. I needed that music live. Yeah. That would have got me going. <laughs> really would have. Now, it's good to have you here. I tell you what, this is pretty exciting because usually we don't get special guests in on the back of the Fletch tapes, but you are someone notable. <laughs> Fletch So it, it was worthwhile getting in here, but there's plenty to talk about. Might as well take us back to 2001 while we're talking about this. Back in the heyday, mate, the 36ers, they were absolutely going gangbusters. They were winning championships. You were doing parades down the main street of Adelaide with the the uh, what the Thunderbirds and, and the Crows, Crows and, and everyone else yeah. while they're winning. Back in the day, mate, tell us about how good those days were. Oh, it was. So we had some really good teams through those late 90s uh, and early turn of the century. And uh, that 2001-2002 championship was really special because uh, it was mentioned in that clip how we lost to Wollongong in the semi-final, mm. which I think is one of the most devastating wins of all time when Damon Lowry hit three free throws that no. bounced around a million times. But um, it fired us up. We lost a couple of key players, but brought in uh, Willie Farley and... Uh, Matt Garrison about halfway through that season and we had a really good mix of kind of some young guys some role players and um, some scorers and that and it, it just clicked at the right time and yeah it was good. Surely that's uh, you've been interviewed thousands of times how does that interview, TV interview rate? Just outside top 10 I think. <laughs> <laughs> always 11th aren't I? Always 11th. <laughs> But uh, that's 20 years ago. Mm. The Sixers haven't won it since. Uh, that's that's pretty damning. Well, a little bit, yeah. And you kind of get sick of the Wildcats winning. And, uh, mm. Everyone's sick New of the New Zealand yeah. were winning a lot there as well. So it'd be nice to share it around and get Adelaide back. And, yeah, I don't know if it'll be this year. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully in the next uh, couple we can put together a team. We've been to the... F- Grand final a couple of times since mm. then, but just not been able to get over Does the line. Does it hurt being a past player, a legend of the team, and they just can't seem to get there and, and get past over that line? It does, yeah. You, uh, it hurts me to see um, Perth winning all the time. And, and <laughs> uh, so we used to have such a good rivalry, and yeah, they've just surpassed everyone now. But yeah, it does. When you go along to a game and you go, look, I just don't think we've got the team this year to do it. Mm. Um, I mean, this year, I think if everyone was healthy, uh, it's a pretty good lineup. But mm. uh, missing Isaac Humphreys for the length of time we have this season, I don't. I think it's going to hurt. Uh, we saw KB celebrating in that clip. Take us back to 2002. What was it like to be a 36er then, winning a championship? And the, the, the town must have just been electric. Well, the celebrations were yeah memorable. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. I can't remember some of them, but most of them were good. Uh, and that parade that you uh, talked about was phenomenal when we had us, the Lightning, Thunderbirds and the Crows. Obviously, everyone was there just to see the Crows, but we mm. uh, lapped it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, Jump on the yeah, to see the whole of King William Street packed. Uh, I've got a picture of it at home. With I was lucky enough to be captain, and the four captains holding up the the championship cups. And um, yeah, it's pride of place at home. It's a pretty special moment. And when you get 
the keys to the city, which I don't know where they are, somewhere they are. <laughs> <laughs> don't get you into anything anyway. Surely, they get, surely they get into a few VIP lines down uh, Rundle Street or Highland Street. Yeah, well, there's a few, yeah, a few decent nightclubs back in the day. Like the back, what was that the players, the planet we used to go to? And Jules and Joplin. Who's got knocked down the planet? That's, mm. that's, that's yeah. disgraceful. Yeah, too. Mm. Maybe yeah. that's where the keys are for. That's well, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had key rings, I think. <laughs> Back in the back in those years, uh, Phil Smythe, as we heard, was one of the well, he was the coach, the main coach back then for about 10, 12 years, I reckon he was for quite a yeah. period of time. He and you actually sort of what's the word sort of overlapped back in the mid nineties, didn't you? You were coming in as a, a young new player, and he was sort of on his way out, and you took his minutes, and things got a little <laughs> bit awkward. <laughs> and, and then from there, he became your coach. So, what was the relationship like, and the sort of I, I don't know the transition. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, I was talking about it with someone only today, how <laughs> I'd come in in 1992. Phil came back in, I think it was 93. Yeah, right. He came back and uh, Don Monson was the coach there who preferred uh, older guys. He was a college coach, um, but preferred the older players. Then um, we had... Uh, Mike Dunlap come in and he preferred all the younger guys. So it was a massive move at the time because Phil was still starting for Australia at, at the time. Mm. And Dunlap put me in front of Phil and started me. And uh, that then gave Barry Barnes, who was the head coach of the Australian team, the opportunity to start Shane Heal in front of Phil. And so I guess his playing minutes started to decline a little bit from there as well but I always got along exceptionally well with Phil both as a player and I'd grew, grew up watching him and he was one of my idols when I uh, watching him and Andrew Gaze were two guys I kind of looked up to so to be able to play with him alongside him um, and have him as a bit of a mentor as a player and then later on transition to have him as a coach was pretty pretty good uh, and I, I used to when we'd go on road trips, we'd be in the same car all the time. We were very close through that period. And, um, yeah, he's always good to have a he's – a, he's a great storyteller. So on oh, those long he? trips, yeah. uh, he's very good. Have you heard any any stories twice? Or are they all, uh, all originals? Probably a million times. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Phil do public speaking engagements a lot. And so you hear – and I, and I do it as well. You, you try out a lot of the same stories and mix them around a bit, but uh, he's very good at it, very good at it as a public speaker. And, um, yeah, I, I think his strength as a coach, obviously he knew the game, knew how it was played, but the way he got the most out of everyone, he was a very encouraging coach and uh, believed in positive reinforcement. Mm. And I think that got a lot out of some players that may not have achieved what they did with him without that sort of style. Okay, so Phil's the last championship coach. In the off-season, the 36ers changed to coaches. Mm. Is Connor Henry the man forward? Have people have been pointing the finger at him a bit lately? Uh, it's a real hard one to answer. When I, I haven't been down to a training session. I, mm. I go to the games, um, but without seeing it on a day-to-day basis, um, it's really hard to know what they're like. Uh, how they mix with those players in that yeah. sort of environment. Um, what I've seen at games, I think uh, I, I would still definitely give him a pass mark. I think he's mm. done reasonably well um, to deal with some of the injuries he's had as well. Uh, some of the subs, you kind of go, I'm not sure what was going on. But then again, like I was at the Wollongong game just last week mm. and Brian Gorgian, who's fated as the best coach mm. in Australia, yeah. who I love as a coach. I think he's fantastic, but... 
they're on a 19 and three run and he calls a timeout and everyone's like, what the hell's he doing? The whole, <laughs> the whole momentum of the game changed. So coaches make mistakes. Um, yeah. So I haven't really said enough. I, I have caught up with him a couple of times and he seems like a cracking bloke, which I think is a really good start. Um, but you yeah, haven't said enough yet. I'd like to see a bit more. Now, the last two weeks I've been screaming to these two boys, display Brandon Paul. Surely you would display Brandon Paul. Well, and he came up. It was the first time after, uh, since COVID that he was actually allowed to come up and address the mm -hmm. VIP room and that after the game. Uh, and it was interesting because that question obviously is on everyone's lips. Why isn't he been mm. starting? Why isn't he playing? And uh, he answered it quite well, I thought. Mm. Um, he apparently had been carrying a bit of an ankle injury and uh, was struggling with a bit of confidence, still learning the system. Mm. And he, he did, he reeled off probably about five or six reasons, which kind of mm. made sense as to why he wasn't doing it. And without without knowing that, mm. I can see why everyone's going, what the hell's going <laughs> on? Because he, first game off the plane, he's Bang. dropped 20 plus. And 20 you go, we got, yeah. yeah, we've got something special here. And then not to start him, it's like, what's going on? But apparently there are some... Pretty decent reasons. A couple of seasons ago, the, the 36ers moved out of Titanium and into the Entertainment Centre mm. and away from Brett Maher Court. How did you feel about the transition and the move away from uh, Titanium? I was a bit dubious because I'd played my whole career there and uh, the basketball had been there since 1992. So it was a long time. People get familiarity with the kind of environment. Mm. Um, so for me, I was part of the past players committee and still am. And so I was kind of hopeful that they could take a lot of our history. A lot of times that does get lost within a club and, um, basketball's not great at celebrating that. So for me, it was great what they did around the, um, as you walk in and, and around that top area, mm. uh, putting the posters up of past teams yeah. and recognizing a lot of the past players, I think was very good the way they did that. I thought the atmosphere in there, considering it's kind of cement, you don't get the bang of the wooden floors, which you get at Titanium, mm. which I think adds to the sound. Yeah. But I think they've done a pretty good job with the environment that they've created in there. The crowds have been bigger and uh, you've got air conditioning that works all the time. There, It's <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite comfortable to be sitting in there, especially on a really hot day. It's, uh, I think it's been pretty good. And I'd actually go through a whole legal process with one of the lawyers from the club to get the name of the court right. moved from Titanium Arena over to the Entertainment wow. Centre. Which, what do you mean? Like, what did they... Uh, oh, we had to sign off on a heap of stuff. Yeah. Titanium and the people that owned that had yeah. to relinquish the rights right. and run it through a heap of wow. crap to get it moved over. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would have been a straightforward process, but... Well, first of all, Jace, it's the Clipsal Powerhouse. Sorry, yeah, we, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's, that's the right name. It's the Clipsal yes. Powerhouse. Yeah, I am wrong in that. Yep. But uh, those, that legal process, Brett, you'll probably have to do it again because uh, the Glovebox Stadium. Oh, yeah. Oh, the if, one on the riverbank. Yeah, yeah the riverbank one mm. could be getting built. So what about Brett Mark Court on the River Torrance? Well, they've been talking about that for 20 years, haven't they? <laughs> and it seems to get rolled out every election uh, just as a little bit of a pump up. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when I see it if that ever gets built. But it would be nice. And I know, I think everyone's been caught up with Port Adelaide and the Crows moving into the city and how mm -hmm. well it's done for crowds, etc., and ease of access for especially people that are in the city and just getting trams and buses in. So it's much better than going out to West Lakes. Mm -hmm. And even for the basketball, the move from uh, where we were 
to the entertainment centre. I think it's a lot closer. You've got tram access, so it's a little bit better. But to get right in the city, I think, would be even better again. Brett Maher Court has made the transition from Titanium, the old security arena, to now the entertainment centre. It's it's a strange one because I, I don't know how you feel. I'd like to know how you feel about it. The fact that it's not actually a court that you played on your whole year and where you made your career, but it is still the Brett Maher Court. And do you still pinch yourself that you've got one? Well, it is. It's... Um... It's very nice and humbling, I guess, when you walk in and your name's on the court and uh, while she's calling out Brett Marcourt every second. So um, it is nice uh, to go in and do that. And I was lucky enough to play one game on it where I played in that Cooper's Celebrity oh, game that they held down there. And I actually hit a shot from a signature on the not. game. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I didn't That's feel good, but it went in. That's a good flex. Uh, so that was good. So, yeah, it is nice uh, to be able to go out there and see that each week. What's the game day experience for you like? Do the 36ers invite you to all the home games? Or how does it sort of work for, you know, your, your experience and in going into the entertainment centre and sitting in a box or sitting in the stands? Yeah, well, Scotty Ninnis and myself are back involved in a club um, in a community capacity. We're helping the 36ers run their in-school visits and their school holiday camps. And as part of that agreement, we're also game night hosting the VIP sponsor room. So we go in there. They normally have a special guest. And then after the game, because of COVID, they can't normally get the coach and players up to interview them. So they get Scott and I up to talk some crap for uh, 15 minutes about how we have kind of dissected the game. So that can uh, range in uh, in how good it is, depending on whether we had a couple to drink or not. Now, you came in straight from the Institute to the Sixers, sort of a bit like how Josh Giddies started his mm. career. There's a few big raps on Josh Giddy. Is there... Is there any comparisons there? Well, I think our paths are going to diverge very soon. <laughs> when he goes to the NBA and is earning millions of dollars, and I stayed here for the rest of my career. But, uh, yeah, he's an exciting talent, isn't he, to mm. see a guy 6'8". Uh, I was reading something before, potentially 6'9". He's still growing. Mm. Um, and speaking to an NBA scout last week, thinking that he's going to go top 20. So... I, I spoke to his dad, Warwick Giddy, who I played against, mm. who played for Melbourne Tigers for a number of years, and uh, he's excited. He's ready to ride his coattails the whole way, he <laughs> reckons. <laughs> so, yeah, why wouldn't you when you've got a talent like that? So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good uh, ground to learn how to become a professional at the Institute, and mm. then uh, depends where you go from there. How about mm. the NBL as a competition? You must be absolutely pumped with how it's moving in a direction where the NBA now looks at it as almost like a development ground for players who are next in line to be the biggest stars in the world game. You've got LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, who last year were absolute jets. You've now got Giddy over here playing some great minutes for the Sixers and looking, what was it, top 10 or something in ESPN's mm. list. So you just look at that. You must be, as a past player from 20 years ago almost, looking at this competition now as this... It's an incredible evolution. It is, it is. And it's really good when you look at the competition... When I finished up, it, it nearly fell over and it was in a really bad spot. So since Larry Kesselman's taken over, I think the league has just kept growing and growing. He's obviously dumped a heap of money yeah. to help that happen. 
but it is looking really good. And um, the pathways that have opened up for not only Australians uh, through our good league, but throughout the world now, it, the whole landscape's changed. I guess when I was playing, you had to either play major minutes at an Olympics or World Championships mm. and do well. Um, or come up through the college system. So now for them to be able to pick players out of our league, have keep their eye on them and, and pluck them out from there and have guys, instead of going to college, come out and be in the next star system and get through, uh, I think uh, they're, they're actually a little bit worried because they're losing <laughs> some of their players over here. And yeah. uh, I know their uh, CEO of the NBA uh, has tried to make a few changes to kind of stop it a little bit <laughs> well it's really it's an amazing uh, turn of events really and, and I love that the NBA is now looking at us Australia little old Australia uh, and where mm. basketball was you know a few years ago look the NBL almost crashed and burned what mm. six seven years ago even like it's amazing how it's turned around how about we talk about the 36ers um, last year about this time we saw uh, a massive blue between the head coach Joey Wright and it's captain Kevin White and a few other players, and it played out publicly, and it was an extremely ugly time for the club. They've turned it around quite well, and things have gone uh, positively in a good direction. But for you as a past player, did you see that as a really dark time? And, and how did you see all that play out? Yeah, it was ugly, for sure. You don't like to see that happen to any club, and uh, it got very public. Mm. I mean, most clubs like to keep that stuff behind closed doors. It certainly wasn't. It was getting put on all social media outlets, and it's a shame. I knew the a lot of the players reasonably well and I knew Joey pretty well as well and, and I've always had a pretty decent relationship with him. So it's sad when you see things go south. Obviously there was some a lot of underlying issues going on at the club for it to go that bad and yeah, things had to change. And like you said, to turn it around and put the team that they've got on the court I think it's a reasonable team. I think they've done a very good job to kind of get back on their feet. That mm. could have crippled them for a number of years, but I think they're back to a pretty decent place, a place where they can certainly build from. How did you feel about Joey Wright? He had some detractors here in Adelaide, but he had a lot of people on his side as well. Did you feel sorry that sort of the way it all panned out in the end for him? Yeah, I think so. I think he has a lot of people that really like him and respect him. He's been in the league for a long time. He's got some pretty good relationships um, and loyal relationships right throughout the league. Uh, and on the other side, when you coach that long, you also have a few people that you don't get along with. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I was kind of sad for him to see how that ended. I, I think it would have been nice if he was to leave the club to leave it under better circumstances. Where do the Sixers go in 2021 then this season? They're getting close to the pointy end. They've had a really rough trot. I think they've won two out of the last 10 games. Are they playoff bound at all? Do you think there are any chance of making a late run for it? Oh, look, it's going to be tough for them. I'd love to see them get into the playoffs and then get everyone healthy mm. uh, and then have a, a good crack. Because I think with everyone healthy, they're up around the mark. I, I don't know if they're still at the level of Perth or Melbourne United, but I reckon nearly every other club on their night they would beat in mm. uh, in a two or three game series. So yeah, I think unfortunately though, <laughs> the end of this year we're going to lose Josh Giddy. Uh, Isaac Humphreys may even go to the NBA as well. We yeah. don't know. Uh, it'd be nice to keep him around, but if uh, if we only lose Josh Giddy and can replace him. Uh, we'll be in a really good shape, I think. Now, away from the basketball, you've also um, started up a podcast with uh, Bungie, Andrew McLeod, one of the yes. Adelaide Football Club's greats. And 
How does that sort of uh, go? How do, how do you uh, find it stepping into the, the media sort of aspect of things? Oh, it's good fun. We just did it because he wasn't doing much at the time and I had a bit of time to spare and we'd kind of talked about over the last couple of years about starting it up and so when COVID hit it was kind of a perfect time like a million other podcasts that popped up (laughs) (laughs) to do it but uh, yeah we have a lot of fun with it I go around once a week and we just uh, yeah put the cans on and talk crap and uh, (laughs) this year we've kind of changing our model a bit and getting some interviews in and and I really like that Um, We've luckily got access to a few people that want to come on, and uh, it's it's pretty good fun. Give it a bit of a plug. So, what, who, what what's it about? What do you talk about? Who do you talk to? Yeah, well, uh, it's Bungie and Brettster, and you can find it on any of the social media platforms. So yeah, we we typically talk about our main sports in AFL and basketball, but yeah, this year we're talking about a lot of things that are popping up in the media at the time. So, uh, and then yeah, getting some pretty cool guests on and having a chat to them. So just about life and what they're up to. Well, we do a segment, well, cause we're closing in on 100 episodes mm. on the press box. We've done a little bit of a countdown the last few weeks of just some moments that we've had on our program. And this in particular, it's only timely that we play this one this week was because when you guys started the Bungie and Brettster podcast, must have been mid-year last year. <laughs> Unfortunately for play, Bungie... You're going to play some of your own gear. No, this is the top 10, as yeah, we know, always do, know, Dale. But, yeah, so let's yeah, not but, try and throw others under the bus, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Worst work has already been done. The um, But one of the moments of last year, it was very early in the... It must have been episode three or four for you guys. Bungie came out with a, a startling um, sort of a comment or two about the Adelaide Football Club. So we're going to play it here. This was one of the top 10 moments from our podcast, but unfortunately it only led to some massive news around the country for you <laughs> and Andrew McLeod. Andrew McLeod had something he voiced during the show, which he it, it pricked my ears anyway. Let's just have a listen. I'm one of those guys that, like if you asked me if I felt comfortable walking back into the football club, yep. I'd say no. Like, I don't walk into the change rooms and I don't sort of walk around. I just feel, I don't know, it's one of those things and I've had this conversation with a lot of my old teammates is that it's not a place that you feel well. And you see lots of guys go back to their footy clubs and they feel welcome. For me, the Crows doesn't really have that vibe. Right, okay. It doesn't have that vibe where it feels like you're really welcome there. And I've done some work there, right? Yeah. So with, with my programs and whatnot, but it's not a place that you sort of feel like it embraces you as a past okay. player. As a Crows fan, you would feel, and I know I feel a little bit uncomfortable knowing that we aren't treating one of our greats as uh, as well as we could. And, and you wonder how many other past players feel like that. If Andrew McLeod feels like that about walking back into his football club, which is well, the Hall of Famer, legend, superstar, that that's a disgrace. Mm. That, 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 that's a real disgrace. Some astounding claims tonight from the Adelaide Crows' most decorated player, Andrew McLeod, declaring he no longer feels welcome at West Lakes. And you see lots of guys go back to their footy clubs and they feel welcome. For me, the Crows doesn't really have that vibe. The club's culture again brought into question. But it's not a place that you sort of feel like it embraces you as a past okay. player. I'm really disappointed in him uh, for saying that publicly because there's ways of dealing with things and the ways of not dealing with things. His actions don't match 
the words that I've yeah. seen attributed to him. A little surprised, um, but it's one where he obviously feels that way, and we have to acknowledge that. I think it's probably for him to share how he feels and why he feels the way he does. Seven News has spoken to a number of Foundation Crows who did share McLeod's view that Adelaide could be doing more to foster meaningful relationships with its trailblazers. When someone comes out and says this, particularly with the magnitude of Andrew, it just gives them a wake-up call to say, maybe we still have to continue to strive to be better. In a stunning turn of events, Crows champion Andrew McLeod has doubled down on the scathing comments he made about his former club. Again, taking aim at the Crows and specifically the club's senior leadership. Now, I won't back down from my comments. It's my opinion and I stand by them. When you walk into the Adelaide Football Club, it's not a particularly warm place. He went to great lengths to explain any change must come from the top down, declaring the spin coming out of Westlakes must also stop. Change begins when you firstly acknowledge it, have those tough conversations and then action it. And in this case, it has to be top down. No more spin and trying to change the narrative like what has been happening in the past 24 hours by those jumping on their soapboxes and trying to angle it back on me as my issue. I just believe our club can be better and we should strive to be. It was one of the heaviest moments. (laughs) I can only imagine you sitting in the chair opposite him. That week was a really long week for you two, I suppose. Uh, What was the conversations like and how were you feeling? It wasn't so much for me. (laughs) (laughs) We we didn't think it was uh, uh, anything going to happen out of it. It was just in general conversation. It was talk and I think uh, yeah a few people pounced on it and it got pumped up it was great for our listening numbers of our podcast yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic I try and get him to say something every week I'm like just give us another one of those beauties <laughs> marketing dream oh, okay. yeah it was fantastic but yeah he's a very proud man and and has thoughts and that was what he was thinking on the on the day and like it was said he had plenty of opportunity to back down those comments mm-hmm. but he stood by them it's mm-hmm. how he felt and that's kind of what we said with our podcast that we would be honest and say that what we felt so i've let him do that and i just sit on the fence <laughs> what was the phones like when it, when it sort of went viral what was the situation like with both you and andrew well his phone was apparently going pretty non-stop mine not so much (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a few people did try and uh, ring me to get to Andrew but uh, yeah we kind of knocked that on the head so um, yeah he's he's dealt with that I know he has met with the club uh, and a lot of the new people because they have done a bit of a clean out there mm-hmm. at the club and he's certainly had chats with uh, all of the new people and and a lot of the past in relation to it so yeah as has been said uh, hopefully everyone can move forward and it gets addressed yeah. uh, it's been brought to everyone's attention mm-hmm. and Things can be changed if they need to be. So, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, but it was good. <laughs> what was the conversations like between week one and week two when Andrew, uh, you know, decided that he was going to double down on his comments? What was the conversations like, you know, between yourself and him at the time? Well, we always have a. a pretty long meeting and we do our research and he'd met with uh, quite a number of people in between week one and week two um, to go through his thought process um, whether what their thoughts were the people that he respected from the club um, from especially people that were there in the past uh, both from a player and managerial and board positions Um, so a lot of what he said was um, very well thought over um, because he, he realised he loves the club. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. So he doesn't want to intentionally hurt it, but um, 
he, he had an opinion and wanted to back it up, but also say it in the right way. Since that time, you, and you just briefly touched on it, you look at Andrew Fagan has gone and um, Chapman has gone since mm. then. Do you think, has Andrew taken some solace in knowing that they have decided to make changes, especially with their culture since that time? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, yeah I don't mm, talk yeah. about that stuff with him. Um, Possibly, but I, I'm not sure. I can't really comment for how he feels on that. But um, yeah, I mean, we both love the Crows. I'm one of the ambassadors for the Crows. So yeah. I want to see him do well. And I mean, for us to see what has happened, I guess even between then and now, mm. both probably more so on the field. Mm -hmm. um, like I know Nixie reasonably well. He's a cracking bloke. Mm -hmm. So to see the success that they're having at the start of this season, I don't think many people would have predicted it, but it's really good to see. Oh, there's one man that's very happy. He's <laughs> sitting over there. Well, I accidentally. Tex is going to kick a hundred. Oh, mate! Oh, very, very. How well's he going? Mate, this is the best Unreal. time. Absolutely the best time. I do want to learn a little bit about Andrew McLeod, the person, before we move on, because he is a is a star of the club, but he's very quiet. And that when that came out, people were quite blown away because you don't often hear from Andrew McLeod publicly. So you get to work with him, and you're a good close friend of his. So let us into what he is like as a guy. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think because he is such so well known. Like if you go out anywhere with Andrew, a lot of people recognise him. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and they don't recognise me, which is a bit of a bummer. But that's all right. <laughs> at least you're honest about it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm over that. Uh, no, he, I, I find him um, quiet to start with, but then once you know him uh, and he knows you. Mm. Um, then he does start to open up. And that's with a lot of people are like that. But yeah, he does have that very quiet personality and doesn't really like going out um, to large spaces mm. a lot, um, like he does it. But, um, and I think it's mainly because he, he gets mobbed, not mobbed by people, <laughs> but a lot of people come up to yeah. him and it gets a bit of a pain in the ass after a while, I'd imagine. Mm. Well, now, uh, Tokyo is coming this year, Brett. Now, Boomer's captain few bronze medal heartbreaks. I'm not going to bring them up, mm. especially yeah. the Rio one where I might have yeah. broken my TV. <laughs> but uh, the Boomers, can we do it? Can Australia actually get a medal in Tokyo? Is, is... Well, yeah, we've been right around the mark. And this is our window, isn't it? When you look <laughs> at some of our main players, we won't have Bogut there, but we've got some guys that are doing exceptionally well in the NBA. When you look at Joe Ingalls, Paddy Mills, mm. um, Simmons, Delavadova, all of these guys, uh, or at least three of those four, are playing major minutes, mm. let alone you've got nearly your whole team in the NBA and a lot of them have or potentially will play some good minutes and mm. so many good young guys coming through as well that we can get. So it's hard to say. I mean, mm. if America send their number one team, it's always going to be hard to beat. Mm. The rest of the world... It's so close. That top Extremely close. 15 teams, mm. it, there's nothing in it. It's absolutely anyone nothing in it. Anyone could beat anyone, couldn't they? Anyone could yeah. beat it. You just have to have a really good run and play well. And, and yeah, it was so devastating to get to the bronze medal game. When we did it, the two times we did it, we got blown out by Lithuania in both of those games. Mm. So we weren't really a chance in the end. Um, but, I mean... One shit call, wasn't it? Yeah. And we, yeah, we deserve to win the game. Yeah. It's just a real heartbreaker. Um, so I would love to see him do it. And, yeah, you've got some cracking mm -hmm. talent there. Well, well, Ben Simmons is the key. But I, I think ben, uh, you played with Luke Longley back in the day. Now, Luke Longley was the key 
to the whole thing, but getting released actually from your NBA mm. team to actually play, is it sort of the same deal all over again? It was like, geez, wish wish Longley was here. <laughs> uh, it was like, oh, wish Ben Simmons was here. Is, is it it's sort of similar, isn't it? Oh, a little bit, yeah. And I think we have the advantage that pretty much every single Australian wants to play. Mm. Some of them are looking for excuses not to play mm. other countries and that. But all of our guys really want to play and, and realise, I think, that it is a good time to do it. It's certainly not a financial thing to do. <laughs> you get both <laughs> bugger all to play for Australia. But um, I think a lot of those guys coming through, it's still a big goal for young Australians mm -hmm. that play basketball to represent your country, which is good. Um, it's still... It's probably not as much as when I was there because hardly any of us made the NBA, whereas mm. now it's make the NBA and get paid, mm. but also play for the Boomers. Um, but, yeah, they're a, they're a really good chance. If ScoMo stamps Bryce Cotton's uh, form, do you pick him? Well, there's a f I've, I've been reading there's a few players that could get that one kind of naturalised mm. spot. So... I think there's one in the NBA. Matisse Thibel, uh, yeah, yeah Matisse Thibel. So mm. there's a few. I mean, I love Bryce Scott, and he's my favourite player mm. over the last 15 years for sure. Wow, potentially one of one of, if not the best player of all time. I think he's Far that around. good. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen enough of the guys he's competing against, and it also <laughs> comes down to what spots are left after all those NBA guys are in. Yeah. What spots are left? Like, I could see him playing some really good minutes in behind Paddy and potentially in front of Delavadova. I don't know. Mm. But and he's a pretty special athlete. And Dante Exum is unfortunately <laughs> a bit injured. Now, yeah. Brett, the, the whole reason that you're here is because obviously we're celebrating the Fletch tapes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I just wanted to get your take on something because at the start of the NBL season, there were some predictions that came out. And of course, it was printed in uh, the great man's advertiser. Uh, it was in, back in you know, January or so. January, yeah, back when Mate, the if you're going to go and, with and, a and, gag, and, get the facts <laughs> straight. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. Well, uh, well, you're wrong to start off with. If, if it was in the Sunday mail. Yeah, it was in the Sunday mail. It wasn't in the advertisement. So, so anyway, in the printout, is, they've had the, the 2021 NBL season predictions. And as you'll see, <laughs> in, in the left-hand column, we've got one of the all-time legends of the sport, Andrew Gaze. And he's got his yeah. predictions about the Final Four mm. and what he thinks who's going to be oh. Rookie of the, the Year, which is Josh Giddy. He's written down. Yep. And the next person is... Yourself, the mighty Brett Maher. He's, ah, he's yes. written down the final four. Perth, Perth Melbourne, United, South East Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, Bryce Cotton is MVP and he's going fantastically at the moment. Spot on. And, I, I'm and looking right there. Right? Those dead <laughs> on the way. Exactly. And then we flick over to the next person in the list. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's our, it's our Dale Fletcher. <laughs> How do you feel about him sharing the limelight with you guys? <laughs> well, Same podium. let's look at his uh, selections there too. Yeah, they're not too bad. <laughs> There's a couple of questionable ones, but I think we've all got a few of those. But... Oh, no, come on, whack him back down to earth. He can't be sitting up there with you and Gazy, mate. Come on. Well, How many NBL games has he played? Oh. Yeah, there's a bit of a drop-off, isn't it? <laughs> That's what we wanted. I, I brought the uh, average games played down considerably. 
But uh, no, that was that was that was one of the best forty minute Zoom calls ever. That was, it was uh, a fun one. Was... Andrew Gaze is always fun. <laughs> oh. and yeah, I mean, I don't know. He played what seven hundred games, yeah. and I played five hundred something, and I played so zero. So between us, it was twelve hundred games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> few MVPs, all that sort of thing. <laughs> Tell us about um, some of the players and and people you've got to meet through your time in the NBL. Andrew Gaze has got to be one of them. There'd be plenty of others. Your favourite people around this competition, this country. Yeah, look, Andrew Gaze ranks up there, both on and off the court. He's a he's a cracker. Um, I was going through some of the players I was lucky enough to play with at the Thirty Sixes, and I think some of the best import tandems uh, that I liked playing with. Dunnell Me was probably my favourite oh, yeah. um, to play with him. Kevin Brooks was great fun. Um, Willie Farley, I guess the guys you win with, you have that special affinity mm. with. Um, but also guys like Rick Brunson that came out. Leon Trimingham was probably one of the most athletic mm. players. So we had some really good imports come through. And then um, from a Australian perspective, my best mate is Scott Ninnis, who I got to play with, and he coached me in my last season. Um, Rupert Sapwell I still see mm. a lot of, and he's a, a ripper bloke. Uh, Paul Rees is one of the funniest blokes you'll ever meet. <laughs> so we had, and those sort of guys make teams. They liven up the day-to-day monotony of training. Um, so those guys were good. David Stiff was also good. There was no um, surprise that he became so successful after we got him his first championship in 98. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he went on to keep winning. Um, so, yeah, that was good. And then from a coaching perspective, uh, Phil Smythers. All-time favourite coach. I love playing under him for those 12 seasons and uh, playing under Brian Gorgian, who was an arch enemy at the 2004 Olympics. Uh, I got so much respect for him um, that I already had, but that just raised it to another level. Mm. And uh, yeah, to see him uh, back here, still coaching in the league now, back in the league, I think is great for the NBL. There's heaps of imports there for the Sixers that have been superstars. The, the last, the, the imports the last few years, we haven't seemed to be get it right. It's really a toss of the coin, isn't it, really, to get a an import bang on correct? I, I think it's pretty hard. I, um, I mean, the amount of money that we're offering compared to Europe, I think a lot of the really, really good ones that are outside the NBA go there. Mm. So for us to get um, yeah, some crackers, it is a real toss of the coin. And some clubs just seem to do it better than others. Like mm. Perth continually get some good ones. Mm. When I did get Cotton and Mooney. Uh, it's a bit selfish. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then you do get a good one and then every other club tries to poach them. Yeah. And that's just what happens. Mm. Now, Brett, what's um, day-to-day living like at the moment? I believe that you're in the fire force and a uh, firefighter these days. What's it like working for the MFS? Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so work uh, for the fire service and... I've been doing well, that. I said for, fire force, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, fire force. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm yeah. a superhero. Fire force. Uh, yeah, it's awesome though. Six yeah. years, nearly six years in there, and love every minute I'm at work there. It, it's um, a really good environment. Great guys and girls in there to work with, and uh, it's a good kind of sometimes dangerous, but a fun job to be involved in. And I'm also back doing some stuff with the 36s as well 
Um, so, yeah, it's kind of enough to keep me busy at the moment. It's good. How big are the changes of going from being a professional athlete to uh, mm. all of a sudden, you know, fighting fires and, you know, rescuing people out of cars and all that sort of stuff? Uh, it's pretty similar uh, in a way. When we played, there was a lot of downtime where we stood around talking a lot of shit to each other <laughs> in a team. Yeah. At the fire service, there's a lot of blokes standing around talking shit to each other. So uh, it's pretty fun and a good environment in that sense. So it is. there's a lot of synergies between the two. Uh, and I think that's why you see a lot of ex-sports people going into the fire services, a lot of uh, football players and other sports people in there. So it is a, it's a great job for P- both men and women. Please tell us, who are some of those people? Did you cross over with Kane Corns? He tried for a year. Yeah, he got in just before me. He was there for a year. Uh, Jared Poulton, yeah, I worked with, yeah. who played at Port Adelaide. Uh, and then I think you go back to some of the older footy guys that... Uh, played at Port Adelaide and some of the local clubs mm. and uh, some of the Ebits and, and that are in there. So, yeah, some good big names. Saving games, saving people. I mean, it's the same sort of thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. do, do the rival stations have a basketball tournament? Because oh, clearly oh, I'd put yes. money on your station. Yeah. Uh, we or, don't, you know. no. But oh. uh, there's some good young guys that I can't even come close to keeping up with, so I don't <laughs> think I'd want to. But we do have a fire service team that plays in a league against the police and the Ambos. It gets pretty competitive. Yeah, some of the police teams have been pretty good. I played for a couple of years and we did okay, but it's um, yeah, it's a good, fun, competitive when you're playing against the police and <laughs> mainly the police, you get a bit fired up. <laughs> but uh, no, the Ambos are good as well. They get stuck into it and uh, yeah, it's pretty good fun. I, I can only imagine the first season when the fire is just uh, welcome out Brett Maher to the, <laughs> the social basketball court. <laughs> Yeah, we got to fill in. Yeah, we got to fill in. Now, I, I think it's only ironic that uh, you are now on the Fire East. Yeah, I'm pretty fired up. It's only full circle. Oh, I love it. I'm sorry, I just had to do that. It's probably yeah. enough time we've spent with you. We've taken about 40 minutes of your night. But Brett Maher, mate, you're an absolute star for coming in. Thanks so much. I mean, um, I've seen you around the traps. You've been doing coaching with Sturt, so you're back to the grassroots. You were doing that for a while. Um, did a little bit of NBL commentary and stuff. So you're dipping your toe in all sorts of different waters. So I'm sure we'll see you back on our TV or something very, very soon. But appreciate you taking the time to be on the press box with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me in, guys.